having um, heard all your prayers and you prayed 15 of my points away, um, I'm, I'm going to take us through um, why, essentially, the resurrection is so important. There are a bunch of people in this church and sitting here today who are new to the faith. And, um, and there are a bunch of you sitting here who have been Christians for at least 10,000 years. I'm not looking anywhere. And, you, and you, you, know, you know what it's all about, but we all need a reminder why this thing is so important. Now, um, as some of you all know, some of you don't, I've been to Bible college and everything. Three years as a boy. Check me out. I went to Spurgeon's Bible College in, in South London for three years while simultaneously planting a church. And, and I learnt a lot of theology. But even despite that, and I've been leading churches for probably, well, since 1996. That's nearly 25 years. Quarter of a century of leading churches. Boy to man. And, and even I have to sit down sometimes. I sit in my chair and I remind myself why I follow Christ. I remind myself of the basic essentials. Because it's so important to root yourself in, your, in Christ's story and remind yourself why is life, death and resurrection were so important. I, I, on a regular basis, will read through a gospel to remind myself how amazing Jesus is. I don't read books about the gospels, I read a gospel. And, and when you read it, you think, he's amazing. <laughs> Jesus is so amazing. Um, so today, many of you here would have heard a lot about the resurrection over the years and the Alpha and all other sorts of stuff. But I do just want to bring us back to some biblical basics. And I believe the Lord's given me a little cheeky prompt about the future of Redeemer King. Not in a dramatic way. Don't worry, treasurer, leadership team. Trustees, who I've not conversed with on that point. It's all going to be all right. Rumours of us buying the sports centre are greatly exaggerated. Um, and Jesus was on the earth, actually. As Jesus walked on the planet 2,000 years ago. He actually raised four people from the dead. The Old Testament's got some resurrection from the dead stories as well. When Jesus was on the earth, he raised four people from the dead. He raised a widow's son in the village of Nain in Luke 7.15. He raised the 12-year-old daughter of Jairus. There's a synagogue ruler in Mark 5. He raised Lazarus, who's a brother of Mary and Martha in Bethany, after he'd been dead for four days. You know who the fourth one is? Himself. Raised himself from the dead. Now, we often say God raised Jesus from the dead, and that is also biblically true. The New Testament actually teaches two things, and this is very significant and important, and not in the slightest bit controversial, honestly. It's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. He teaches in, in Romans 6 and Acts 2 that God raised Jesus from the dead. But it's also true that Jesus brought about his own resurrection. And this is very significant for us. John 10, 18. Jesus actually said this. No one takes it from me, but I lay my life down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge... I have received from my father. Jesus knew that whatever came at him, he could overcome it. He walked with the authority to raise himself from the dead. That is amazing. Jesus also said in John 2.19, destroy this temple, him, and in three days 
I will raise it up. I mean, it's hugely confrontational. Do what you want. Come at me with everything you've got. I've got authority to overcome death. Either he was the total nutter or he's the son of God who walked with authority beyond our comprehension. I choose the latter. If you're sitting here today and you don't know who Jesus is, I'm now telling you about the greatest authority and name in the cosmos. The only one who had authority to overcome death. John added, actually, he was speaking about the temple of his body, John 2.21, destroy this body and in three days I'll raise it up. And he did. Jesus had authority from God to overcome death. Fact. Fact two, which I constantly remind you about. You are all going to die. Except you're not. Well, you will do in a physical sense. Some of you will experience it. You will experience your life ebbing away. But, let me tell you today, you put your trust in Christ, you will live on. You'll close your eyes and open them again and you'll be with Jesus. Death is swallowed up in victory. That's why it says in 1 Corinthians 15, Oh, death, where is your victory? Do you know, like, grief and bereavement is one of the things in life that people never really get over. They struggle. It was never meant to be this way. When we face bereavement, even the bereavement cycle that people talk about, it never truly goes away. But, as I'll come on to explain later, for Christians, it's different because it says, the sting of death is sin, and the power of the sin is law, but thanks be to God who gives you, you, Karen and Des and Mike, Emma, Andy, Rich, me, Emily, Andrew, gives you victory for our Lord Jesus Christ. You, you are not going to permanently die if you put your faith and your trust in Christ. It means we are resurrection people. And I hope that by the end of this talk you get it. And I hope that you feel the joy of it today. Not in some superficial way. Like, you know, the joy of a slush puppy, which I saw being secreted into the church earlier. And you've both got stunningly blue tongues. <laughs> Honestly, it's really odd watching you laughing with blue tongues. Um, it's not the joy I'm talking about of that. It's a deeper joy. It transcends all comprehension and understanding that God's got us. Our lives are in our hands. We're never truly separated from those that we love who died, but we put their faith in Christ. What a beautiful thing that is. We'll talk more about that later. So I'm going to read you this. Luke 24. Then I'm going to black through it, and then we're going to pray. This is Luke 24 from the one true version. No, not the King James. The NASB, Peter Lacey. <laughs> yeah, come on. Yes, wait. And Emily Beach. Our regular daily battle. Which one's the best? But on the first day of the week, this is the account of the resurrection according to Luke. At early dawn, they came to the tomb bringing the spices from which they prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were perplexed about this, probably 
a slight understatement by the NASB there. Perplexed. I think like, what is going on? Why they were perplexed about this. Behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing. And as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men were clearly angels sent by God. The men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise again. And they remembered his words and returned from the tomb, reported all these things to the eleven and all the rest. Now they were Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary, the mother of James, also the other women, with them were telling these things to the apostles. But these words appeared to them as nonsense, and they would not believe them. But Peter, I love the detail of this. Peter's the impetuous one. He's a hot-headed guy. He's always like, dashes into action. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb, and stooped and looked in, and he saw the linen wrappings only, and he went away to his home, marveling at what had happened. One phrase stood out to me, for today, when I was preparing this, which is, why do you look for the living among the dead? Why do we look for life amongst what's dead? Christians don't need things like astrology. We don't need balls of gas in space telling us how our lives are going to pan out. Can I just say this? Because I feel I should. It's nonsense for a start. And it takes our lives away from Christ. But Christians don't need to look at that. We don't actually need the lottery. We don't. Or the bookies. That's looking for life amongst what's dead. I believe that. Our hope is in Christ, not six matching numbers or balls of gas. Psalm 27 says, not Psalm 27, Psalm 20, verse 7, says, Some put their hope in chariots and some in horses, but we put our trust in the name of the Lord our God. And I mean this most sincerely this morning, everybody. We trust in Christ, defeated death, defeated mess and pain, and he made a way. And because of the resurrection, you can, you can honestly live a life of hope, freedom, joy, peace, chains broken, and a venomous, wicked, scorpion sting of death is gone. For good. You trust in Christ, it will affect where you are 10,000 years from now. John Newton wrote that in Amazing Grace. What amazing words. He said, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, with no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Now I'm going to say this, some of you, it's very familiar to, but some of you are new into the church, are new to the things of God. John Newton was a slave trader. He was a wicked man. He was actually a bit of a scoundrel, a thief and a scumbag. He was often put in prison and became this slave trader. And then he met the grace of Christ. He met the love and grace of Jesus Christ, like some of you have recently. 
and he couldn't stop singing his praises. And he knew that in 10,000 years' time, he's going to be doing that. A question, actually. Do you know where you're going to be in 10,000 years? I'm not going to be just some ashes scattered on the outskirts of Mansfield. I'm going to be popping up behind Rich Kirk saying, only me. <laughs> 10,000 years of it, Rich. What a beautiful thing that is. Andy Turner, hello, mate. Oh, gosh. Here he is again. You put your trust in Christ, it'll affect where you are 10,000 years from now and more. The sting of death has gone. You have hope like you can't comprehend. Which leads me to point two. It means, I believe, that we are people characterised by having resurrection DNA. It's fair to say um, that life is a bit of a roller coaster. And you will face tough times in life. You'll particularly face tough times in life if you try and do anything new, fresh, lead. You get a passion. I've had 25 years of it. Um, Karen and I, um, she's not in the room, she's covering for the kids this morning, kids' church. Um, I would say it's completely fair to say that over the years, um, we've had things happen to us that have floored us, hurt, and bashed us about, and um, all sorts of stuff, which I don't need to go into detail about. But I have been asked in recent days, more than once, how do you stay calm? Why aren't you flapping? How do you keep coming back? How do you keep standing up the front? I've been asked that. How do you keep being annoyingly happy most of the time? Most of the time, not all the time. I can have a diva moment every now and again. Well, it's simple. It's actually really simple. I've got a hope. I know my saviour died for me. I dial it back. I always dial stress back and pressure back. When Jesus was nailed to the cross, the devil thought he'd knocked Jesus out of the game. He thought he'd won. Wrong. Mistake. Three days later, he rose again. And it was a sign to the cosmos, to the principalities and powers, to the legions of angels in heaven, to legions of demons in hell, and to Satan himself. The curse of death and the power of sin have been completely defeated once and for all. And you can either choose to live in that or not. And I choose to live in it. The grave couldn't hold him. Not even... A massive stone could trap him. That stone was probably two tons. And it was, it's one thing it says in the Bible that two men rolled the stone into place. What it doesn't tell you is that most of these tombstones were dropped into a groove. They're like clunked in. Two stone, clunk. Two stone, two tons. Two tons clunked into a groove. Very hard to shift. The devil couldn't destroy him, couldn't trap him. And now he gives us new life. And it means when people come to Christ, 
They feel brand new, like Danny. Proper glowing with the joy of the Lord. It's coming across to Alpha, loving it. We now have a resident tattoo artist in the church, which is a spin-off benefit for those of you who like the ink. It's why we baptise people in Romans 6. It says you go under the water, you die. And when you come up out of the water, you raise a new life. And what a new life it is. It means this. Whilst the devil thought he could take Jesus out and trap him in a tomb, what a fool could trap the name above every name, the one who has ultimate power in the universe, with two tons of rock in a, in a groove, wrong. Whilst he thought he could knock him out, it also means, in the words of Chawamba Wamba, <laughs> I can be knocked down, but I will get up again. I will. The great prophet said it. I get knocked down, but I get up again. If you've got resurrection DNA, and you truly follow Jesus, do you know what I almost want to say? Devil, you could chuck anything you want at me, but I'll come back. Because my God came back. Because Jesus came back. Because he got up again. You could chuck anything at me. And do you know what I'm going to be like? I'm going to be like an annoying little ferret. I'm just going to keep coming back. And I come back. And I come back. And I come back. Because my God rose again. He rose again. So why can't I? And why can't you? Why can't you rise again? When you get knocked down by life, why can't you get up again? You will do. And sometimes it might take time. Sometimes you need to have a little rest. You do. Sometimes you need help. Sometimes we get ill. You get bruised and you get battered. I'm not saying that's not happened. I've been bruised and battered. But I'll keep coming back. Because my God rose again. My Jesus rose again. And I'm full of his resurrection power. That's why. How can you keep standing up, Carl? Because my God rose again. And any suffering I've gone through is nothing compared to the cross, is it? It's nothing to me face separation from his Father in heaven. He descended into hell on a Saturday. I mean, if anyone had the right to have the hump, it was the Lord. True? If anyone had like, did like think, oh, I just think I deserve to be a little bit grumpy. And like, have a little diva moment. Or sulk for a bit. It was the Lord, but he didn't. Even on the cross, he was forgiving people. He went into hell to show the light of Christ those who died before his time and rose again. You know, this beautiful prayer from Ruth, thank you that I'm alive. Thank you that I'm here. That's why I keep getting up as well. I keep getting up because of transformed lives. Because Jesus is in the business of transforming people's lives. All of you. What a beautiful thing. He's amazing, isn't he? So we have resurrection DNA. You can be knocked down but you're never going to be knocked out. He raises us up every time. The power of the risen Lord Jesus Christ is in us. You've just got to access it. Just got to access it. Remind yourself. Three, it's why I have hope. And it's why we started this church. We started this church on Luke 4.18. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor and set the captives free, recover sights of blind and Proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And, and it's never been about bums on seats on a Sunday. It's about transformed lives. And that, that is what this church is about. It's about rescue and transformation.
never been in a popularity contest. I'm in, I'm in a rescue mission. With all my heart, honestly, the, the, the things that move me to tears regularly on a Sunday are, are seeing people coming to Christ and seeing people who've been Christians a long time, seeing their lives being transformed and being filled with a hope and joy. And Churches aren't always happy places because it's life, but they're always rescue places. I've hoped that marriages can be restored. We've seen that. I've got hope that people who've experienced their marriages fall apart, get a second chance, second go. We're a church for a thousand second chances. I've hope that addicts can be set free. Hope that people in debt get set free. Hope that people with acute anxiety and depression can find peace. Hope that any relationship that's been fractured can be restored. The most broken lives can be made whole. And the sick are healed. People who are suffering bereavement grieve differently. People whose careers were stalled find new purpose. People who have had acute trauma find hope in the face of severe and chronic illness. People find peace even though they don't experience their healing. As I said, Christians even grieve differently. I've seen people at funerals a lot. And I've seen people die without Christ and people die with Christ. And I've seen the families who are in Christ grieve differently to the families who are not in Christ. Because our goodbyes are different. We don't say goodbye. We say, see you soon. See you soon. We grieve differently. We grieve a temporary separation because our God, where it's Jesus Christ in the grave, defeated death. So I have hope. And this hope is not a vain hope. There's a brilliant story about Lee Strobel, who many of you know, wrote this book called The Case uh, for Christ. And his wife had become a Christian and he got a bit chipped up about it. Because that, that can happen. When one, one person in a relationship gets saved, no one doesn't. And Lee Strobel had a master's in law from Yale and uh, a degree in investigative journalism and was an investigative journalist for the Chicago Tribune. And he set out to disprove the resurrection. Being a lawyer, he thought, will this stand in the court of law? I'll disprove it. And actually he came to the conclusion that if he went to court, the resurrection would be held up beyond reasonable doubt. So he gave his life to Christ instead, as did all his lawyer mates. It's not some vain hope. But let me say this, if you want new hope, you want a new destiny, you want to know where you're going to be in 10,000 years from now, turn to Christ, put your hope in him, change your life and your destiny. But here's another thing, I really believe that the devil hates the church. 
I actually think he really hates this church. And I felt his hate. I think he hates that we have a special heart for the poor. I felt it. I've woken up feeling like it's evil in my bedroom. Felt it. I don't want to freak anyone out. I start praying and felt it lift a number of times recently. He hates that we want to reach the poor, the broken, the hurting. And he will attack us with everything he's got in his arsenal because we're proclaiming resurrection. Despair, temptations, pressure on our marriages, kids, health, money, unity, fear. But I need to keep reminding us, we have something that the devil hasn't got. We don't just have belief in Jesus. The devil's got that. The devil believes that Jesus is alive. We have faith in Jesus. We put all our trust, hope and security in him. We've got the power of the Holy Spirit with us. And we've got this resurrection DNA. It's why amazing miracles can happen. I told some of you about this before. It's why. When I was in Essex, drove past this lady's house. You had chronic ME. Bad. It's been confined to a sofa. And as I drove past the house, I felt the Lord say to me, America. And I thought, maybe he wants me to go on holiday. I thought, oh, maybe he wants me to talk to this lady. So I pulled up and the carer opened the door because she couldn't get off the sofa. She couldn't even pick up a bread knife, a slice of loaf of bread. And I said the word America to her. I said, is there anything about America? She started screaming at me. Anyway, ended up praying for her. I'm going to cut this story short, but we had this most remarkable time of prayer, me and another pastor who came to join us in the church. And then this pastor friend of mine called Jerry said, how do you know if you're healed? And she said, I'll be able to stand up and run up the stairs. So Jerry said, go on then. So she stood up and fell over. And I was embarrassed. I was like, oh no, that's so bad. It's like spiritual abuse, what have we done? So he helped her back on the sofa. And the Lord spoke to me. So she hadn't used her legs for like nine months. So he prayed. I'm telling you, it's exactly what happened. He prayed for her leg muscles. In fact, all her muscles. They'd be healed. And her legs started jumping about on the sofa. So Jerry, my mate, said, try running up the stairs now. And she did. She got up. The Lord strengthened her legs. And she ran up and down the stairs. And then she went swimming. And then she went to Lakeside Shopping Centre and spent a fortune on her husband's credit card. He was grateful for the miracle in part. <laughs> that is resurrection DNA. That can happen because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. I'll tell you another one. It's like when I was in India and preaching the gospel to about 2,000 people. Now I'm saying that not to be impressive, it's because of what happened next. Suddenly, the crowd went nuts in the middle. And I was, and I was only just started. I thought, I don't think I'm that anointed. But it started going nuts in the middle. And word came back that someone had dropped dead. Now, I don't often share this story, but I thought I will today, because I felt the Lord prompt me. Word came out that someone was dead. So we thought, 
let's go and pray for the dead person. Because <laughs> this is what you do. And what they were trying to do was drag his body out of the compound. Because they didn't, the Christian meetings under pressure at that time, and they didn't want any hassle. So they're actually dragging this, basically a rag picker, this guy, like lowest of the low, lowest undercast guy. They had a caste system out there, like poverty-stricken. No escape from it. And they were trying to drag his body outside the compound. So the reason I'm smiling is it all went a bit dramatic. And he'd lost his pallor. And now, I don't know if he was dead, but what I will say is he was not breathing. Now, it could have been that he was suffocating, um, but he, he didn't look very well. And it took us some time before he got to him. They're trying to drag his body out. And me and my mate, so there are three pastors witnessed this. Me and my mate, I ended up trying to stop them from dragging his body out. So they're pulling his feet. And I stood either side of him and grabbed, grabbed his shirt, this old like raggedy shirt, and said, I just said, come back in Jesus' name. And they're all trying to still pull him. I'm going, stop pulling him. They're going, we need to go. So stop pulling him. So I'll be like this. And then my mates all stand around. They're trying, to, they're trying to pull his arms one way, stop him from dragging him out. And I've got his lapels. And suddenly, this guy went, <gasps> and breathed. And we all went, <gasps> like that. And the whole crowd like dispersed. And people started running away. And um, it turned out, actually, um, he was there with his, with his wife. Everyone like scattered. And I was standing there, standing over this bloke who a minute ago was not breathing with a deathly pallor. Now he was standing there smiling. Just like that. With his colour returned. That happens because Jesus rose from the dead. That ain't some anointed prayer. It's because Jesus rose from the dead. And we believe that in this church. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm up for it. I mean, I don't want people dropping dead in the meetings. And can I just say as well, that if I, as a believer in Jesus, suddenly drop dead, please don't try and bring me back, because I'll be quite happy. Leave me where I am. But that man didn't know Jesus. I have hope. It's Suzanne calling out the other day. Two years, what did you say? Two years clean and dry since coming to the church. How beautiful is that? It's those of you who struggle with addictions, being set free. One or two people sitting here stopped taking cocaine from the moment they met Christ in this church. That's the power of Jesus. People coming home sober when they were drunk every day. It's the power of Jesus. That's why we're here. That's why we're doing it. And so I felt from the Lord to say, I'm not just declaring today that the rescue mission is on. We're flipping well accelerating it from here. You're up for it. We're accelerating it. We're going to go further, deeper, more faith-filled, more joy-filled, more passionate, proud of our Saviour, no apologies, front and centre, 100% 
full-on rescue. I hope you're up for it. Are you? Because we're going to go for it. And can I tell you this? Last week, you know, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm launching this network of 40 churches and ministries across the country to start with, who are all about the same thing. Only last week, and it's a secret, so you can't tell anyone. Only last week, some top gun in another denomination said, I've heard about your church, and I've heard about your ministry. Do you want a building? Unfortunately, it's a few miles from here. But it's a joint building to put a base in a worshipping community in and church plant amongst this poor community. I'm like, that's the Lord. That, I mean, this was a proper like denomination. And like, we're not. We're like making up as we go along. And that doesn't normally happen. Normally you've got to have like dog collars and robes and stuff for them to talk to you. But I've like, seen what you're doing with the poor and what your heart is. Do you want a building? Let's talk about it. I'm like, come on. I had someone email me three months ago saying, I kind of got this feeling, Carl, that you're going to emerge into Easter having been through a temptation and a trial and a test of your character. And actually, this is weird. And as you come into Easter, all sorts of explosive things are going to happen in the church and around you. And he went, and that's it, really. Cheers, mate. <laughs> so I'm like, wow. And then this week I got that. I'm telling you. I'm declaring that we're accelerating from here. I've never felt so close to Christ in all my life and ministry as I do right now, standing here today. I do. I feel so close to him. It's great when you go through trials and tribulations and your faith is proved. It's been beautiful, actually. Best of times, worst of times. But outside of that, not only that, 165 Easter eggs given out to people. The snug in North Wingfield, about to be launched, a community cafe by this church, Coffee Street Prayer, people coming to Christ in Alpha, people coming to Christ without Alpha. The audacity, Rich. How could you even let that happen? Cap, seeing people go debt-free and expanding. The Lowridge's work, one of the most impoverished communities in the nation, and we're working there. A national network of ministries forming, and being asked last week if we take a building on it's just the start. It's just the start. So I hope you're up for a little roller coaster ride. Yeah. I hope you're full of resurrection power. I hope that you're full of hope. I hope you're full of joy. I hope you don't just look at the cross on Friday and forget there's a resurrection on Sunday. I hope you don't forget that the devil hates us and we hate him. I hope you don't forget that. I hope you don't forget we didn't plant this church just to have a nice, cosy Sunday. We planted this church to be at war against Satan and rescue people. That's why we did it. That's why we did it. Not bums on seats. It's rescuing the most hurting, lost and broken. That's it. And seeing you guys, middle class, working class, full of God's peace and joy, through the storms. Because you've got resurrection DNA. You might get battered and bruised. But I tell you what, we're always going to get up. And I feel like the Lord said to me, but it's a prophetic message to the church. Just keep getting up. Just keep getting up. Keep loving. Keep reaching out. It's a prophetic message to the church and to the principalities and powers. But I feel like 
Storms blow themselves out. Until the next time. So this is, this is my word to you all. I'm not a peacetime leader. I'm slightly on the militant side. I don't know if you pick that up. So I'm expecting that in the years ahead, we might have a few more storms. But I'm going to set our sails. I'm going to tie it all down. I don't know anything about sailing, but I think you've got to set your sail and not have it all floppy. That's what I'm going to do. And we're going to aim some cannons and artillery against the enemy. And we're going to see a lot of people rescued and experiencing resurrection power in the years ahead. You're up for it? Yeah. Good. Because I am. I'm really up for it.